0: Blog Talk Radio The Glorious Bells Ringing at the San Juan Capistrano Church, the mission there at San Juan Capistrano, and I happened to be there when uh, there had been a wedding, and they were ringing the bells, and I got a chance to uh, record it. Aren't they glorious? Well, this is Marcy Ann, and this is my second show on uh, news headlines for News Junkies. Um, my Wednesday show, I talk about energy. On my Monday show, that's more of a spiritual show. And here on Friday now, I talk about the news. <laughs> and today I'm going to discuss three big C's. Cosby, Carter, and Cancer. Now, for quite a while, the one big C has been cancer. And the headline is, 90-year-old President Carter has been diagnosed with cancer. Well, cancer is the biggest idea in our culture. It seems that everyone's afraid of getting cancer when, you know, the truth of of all of us is that we all have cancer at one time or another in our body. Because a cancer is just a cell that isn't operating properly. And if the cell doesn't operate properly for a period of time, then the body goes to work on it and either tries to destroy it and will quarantine it and try to keep it from affecting other cells while it uh, dissolves it. And while this process is going on, if you would have a biopsy, the doctor will tell you that you do have cancer, and you do. Because if you go looking for cancer, you're going to find it. And just know, all of the cancer research money goes into trying to find cancer sooner, not trying to cure it. Just remember that the next time you give to a cancer fund of any kind. All cancer research now is how to find it sooner so you can get it before it gets everywhere and since everybody has cancer at one time or another in their body pretty soon every single person's going to have cancer there's no medical research going on that is looking how to cure cancer there's a lot of holistic and nutritional ideas about how to cure cancer but you know nothing scientific or proven to work in large groups of people is just kind of like, you know, a couple people here and a couple people there have been cured of cancer by changing their diet or adding nutritional supplements or some other type of non-invasive, non-medical solution. I did do a show last year that I called Don't Get Cancer, and I did discuss spiritual ideas about curing cancer. And on that show, I reminded everybody that your body is a neutral place. It's a machine that's designed to operate perfectly. And every day, it's operating and monitoring more than 250,000 programs. These programs are beating your heart and making your lungs breathe air and operating your arms and hands and fingers and legs and feet and toes (laughs) and your digestive system and your elimination system and your circulation system, all those systems of your body. This machine operates according to an original divine blueprint for human bodies. And this machine is complicated beyond the most advanced information that we have about it right now. And the part that most people don't take into consideration when they're thinking about their body, the body is also operating according to all of the information you believe and you are telling it because, remember, it is neutral and it takes everything as the truth. So if you're resisting anything or living in undesirable personal circumstances that make you sad or unhappy, your body picks up on this and it begins to design programs to try to help you and in some cases this does set up a conflicting set of programs that can create an autoimmune disease and also in the as the body is working to design this program to help you, uh, this is what produces symptoms. Okay, chemists work all day long, every day, in the laboratories of the drug companies, experimenting with this chemical and that chemical to see how it affects rats or monkeys or pigs in an effort to find new drugs that can address specific issues that people go to the doctor about, you know, this ache or this pain or whatever distress they're complaining about. But the fact that we aren't a rat or a monkey or a pig doesn't seem to enter into these test results. But you know what? We're a human. We're a homo sapiens. This is different from a rat or a monkey or a pig, We do have things in common with rats and monkeys and pigs, but we're a far superior creation to the animals. We have a more expanded and complicated frontal cortex in our brain. This brain region has been implicated in planning complex cognitive behavior, personality expression, decision-making. It moderates our social behavior. And the basic activity of this brain region is considered to be the orchestration of our thoughts and actions in accordance with internal goals, that internal hidden agenda that is in every single person. The most typical psychological term for functions carried out by the prefrontal cortex area are executive Functions, executive fun- functions, relates to abilities to differentiate among conflicting thoughts, determining good and bad, better and best, same and different, future consequences, working toward a defined goal, predicting outcomes, expectations based on actions. And social control, which is the ability to suppress urges that, if they're not suppressed, could lead to socially unacceptable outcomes. Uh, This is how we're different from the animals. But however, despite these rather significant differences, doctors just prescribe these various artificial chemical medications that have been tested on pigs and monkeys and rats for specific situations in a human's life. A lot of times, without considering what other chemicals are also being introduced into this marvelous machine that is our body that is trying to do something else. And these artificially induced chemicals begin to operate within the sacred geometry inside of us, and they either completely eliminate the natural operation of the chemicals that our body makes on its own so that now we're completely dependent upon the artificial chemical, or they set up side effects that sometimes are worse than the original reason the person went to the doctor in the first place. When I have something going on in my body that doesn't feel quite right, I immediately go into my heart where the heart brain is, because the heart brain knows everything. Everything from before the beginning until after the ending. And I ask my heart brain to tell me what's going on in my body and what do I need to do to correct that situation. Because, dear people, we are the one who is in charge of our body because our body is just a neutral machine. And it operates many of its wondrous systems most of the time without us having to do anything because we have an anatomic nervous system that operates the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems that just keep everything going. And if we all operated totally out of our heart brain and not the brain in our head, our anatomic nervous system would operate perfectly and we would never be sick. But, see, we also have that brain in our head, and this brain stores up all the evidence of our life so far here on Earth and is sitting as a constant judge and jury about everything that we think and do. And then if we only access the information from the brain and the head, then these evidences sometimes prove to us that life is hard and life is unfair and life is cruel and where is the love You know, everyone's looking for love, and a lot of people do look for love in all the wrong places. And these experiences create scars in our head brain that sets up disabled operations of the neurotransmitters throughout our sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems, and those set up disabilities in our life. And one of those disabilities is cancer. Now I'm going to make a bold and unapologetic statement about cancer. Cancer comes from a moment of traumatic shock to a patient that sets an eventual unfulfilled biological function at the bo- in the body. At some point in time, that person had a shock their soul and this emotional shock set up waves of despair that swept through their entire emotional system a tsunami with the power of death in it it happens in a moment just a moment of realization and in that moment of realization the person didn't deal, deal with it and practically no one can deal with it in the moment. But if that person still doesn't deal with it, they probably will begin to deny it, push it down, push it down, try not to think about it, push it down, push it down, try to keep going while their rage and anger seethes and curdles and roars inside of them. Now, some do strike back, fight, fight, they react in emotional outbreaks. They're combative, defensive. They cop an attitude, as Judge Judy calls it. They dare anyone to tell them what they should or shouldn't do. And their life becomes a reaction to everything from that moment on. And they are now a victim of circumstances. And they lose their ability of personal, sovereign, divine action. For their own highest and best good. And in nine out of ten cases, they will eventually get cancer or some other disabling disease. Now, in the case of President Carter, I believe this cancer is a result of his body operating for 90 years. Uh, Because for the most part, you know, President Carter's been a very positive action person. He certainly is not a victim of circumstances. And he has used his own personal, sovereign, divine power to seek to help people all his life. He's generally been a happy man. He's had a good marriage and had four children. And he's been a champion of human rights. And he's worked for peace at all levels of his government service. So what power within his overall circle of life is influencing him in a negative way here where it's possible for him to be diagnosed with cancer? Well, it's the spoken power of his own word. Hear it. Everyone in my family dies of pancreatic cancer. There it is. He's spoken his own death sentence. And unless he can sever this cord of this predisposition to a weakness in his family genetics, he's just going to add to this statistic in the Carter family. So you ask, well, how could he possibly sever the cord to this predisposition to pancreatic cancer in his family? Well, you know what? President Carter's 90 years old, and that's a long time to believe in something. And he believes because our Western medical profession believes that we inherit these diseases. But the truth is we don't inherit the disease. We inherit a predisposition to the possibility of the disease. It doesn't mean we have to get the disease because nothing is set in stone. DNA testing could probably indicate the weakness but it would not mean that just because all of President Carter's family have died of pancreatic cancer that he would also die of pancreatic cancer, unless he believes that he is going to die of pancreatic cancer. And in President Carter's case, it looks like he does believe it. Well, this started, the news story said that this started uh, when President Carter had a small mass surgically removed from his liver. And then in testing this mass, apparently it was shown to be cancerous. Well, of course it was cancerous. Whatever this mass was, it was a collection of cells that was not operating properly and the body had quarantined it. I'd like to know what the symptoms were he had that he couldn't live with that would cause his doctor to want to do surgery on a 90-year-old person. I mean, my own personal belief is that everyone should just stop going to the doctor when they get to be 80, and and certainly no 90-year-old person should have surgery. I couldn't believe it. But apparently his liver wasn't operating perfectly for some reason. Now, what does the liver do? It regulates the composition of your blood, including the amounts of sugar, protein, and fat that enter the bloodstream. It removes um, ammonia and other toxins from the blood. Uh, It removes bilirubin, which is a byproduct of the breakdown of the hemoglobin from red blood cells. And hemoglobin is the protein in red blood cells that carries oxygen from the lungs to the rest of the body and then carries the carbon dioxide back to the lungs where it can be breathed out. So that's pretty important. The liver processes the nutrients absorbed by the intestines during digestion and converts these nutrients into forms that can be used by the body. That's just incredible. Incredibly important. And the liver stores some nutrients like vitamin A and iron. And the liver produces cholesterol. It produces clotting factors, it helps the blood clot. It breaks down alcohol and many other drugs. And doctors will run tests on a liver if the person is anemic or has been exposed to hepatitis A, B, or C viruses, or if they drink a lot. You know, I kind of wonder if President Carter took cholesterol medication. Because taking drugs to control cholesterol can take its toll on the liver because the liver produces cholesterol. So there would be a fight there. And I wonder if President Carter had stored up too many minerals at this point because, you know, so much of our food contains minerals that are not able to be digested. So the liver stores them and then just gets overloaded because some of these minerals are aluminum, lead, mercury, arsenic, just to name a few. You can look up toxic minerals on Google and get the list and find out how we get them in our foods because, The liver has has been able to deal with these toxic minerals in the past, but because of our present way our food is processed today, there's so many more minerals it gets overwhelmed, and so maybe in ninety years, President Carter's liver is tired. I went to a medical intuitive one time, and he said my liver looked really good. It was the right color and the right size. And then he said, boy, your liver has to work really hard because you're extremely allergic to aluminum. Well, almost all underarm deodorants have aluminum in them. I began to look into this, and let me tell you, there's enough information on this just for me to do a whole show on it so I'm not going to go into it now. But just know in 90 years, President Carter's liver, and probably more so in the last 15 to 20 years from the time he was 70 until he was 90, since our food supply has become more and more toxic and all of us has had to rely on our liver to help us out, maybe at 90 years old, President Carter's liver is really tired however this just doesn't mean that it isn't working properly because apparently it was working very well and it had quarantined something probably some toxic mineral and it would have eventually broken it all down and excreted it out into the elimination system and it would be gone but the problem is by the time the process is recognized we get symptoms, and then we interrupt the body's process and decide to step in and try to stop it. I mean, President Carter would not have to have had that surgery, and he could have—he would have never found out that he had cancer, and he could have continued to live his life for as long as he wanted to live. Symptoms are proof that the body is taking care of something. Symptoms are not the cause. Symptoms are the answer. Well, I would like for all of you to have your liver be as healthy as possible. So just real quickly here, I'm going to give you a list of foods that will cleanse your liver. The first one is garlic. Uh, This activates liver enzymes that helps the liver flush out those toxins. Grapefruit, high in vitamin C and antioxidants. A small glass of freshly squeezed grape juice will boost production of liver detoxification enzymes that flush out carcinogens. That's a fancy word for cancer. Grapefruit juice beets and carrots highly extremely high in plant flavonoids and beta carotene makes the liver sing <laughs> green leafy vegetables they have a distinct ability to neutralize heavy metals chemicals and pesticides they offer a powerful protective mechanism For the liver, so arugula, spinach, mustard greens, dandelion greens, they increase the creation and flow of bile. That's what removes waste from all of your organs and your blood. Best eaten raw. Avocados, uh, this helps the liver to cleanse harmful toxins. Apples, high in pectine um it makes it easy for the liver to handle the toxic load olive oil helps the body uh by providing a lipid base that sucks up harmful toxins alternative grains um you know not to have so much gluten <clears throat> A study last year found that persons who experience gluten sensitivity also had abnormal liver enzyme test results. Uh, Broccoli and cauliflower. These natural enzymes also flush out cancer and other toxins. Lemons and limes, high amounts of vitamin C. Um, Walnuts. High amounts of amino acid. Walnuts aid the liver in detoxifying ammonia. Um, cabbage, much like broccoli and cauliflower. Um, cabbage, cabbage soup, sauerkraut. Turmeric is liver's favorite spice. Um And also make sure you have a good source of healthy bacteria in your gut. Greek yogurt is about the best source of healthy uh, bacteria. By keeping your liver healthy, it will never have to quarantine any aliens in your body, which is another word for just create a mass. And if you're over 80 years old, quit going to the doctor, and for Pete's sake, never have any surgery after you're 80 years old. Okay, the next big C I want to reflect on is Bill Cosby. What is our culture's obsession with wanting to know every single sexual encounter he has had? I just don't get this. Bill Cosby's been a funny man in his career. I went to see him one time in person and I laughed and laughed and laughed. I laughed more than I have ever laughed in my life. I mean, those deep deep belly laughs where your your bo- you know, bowl you sh- your you sh- uh shake like a bowl full of jelly. Cuz these deep belly laughs are so cleansing and healing for our bodies. Who knows how many people over the years have extended their lifespan here on Earth because he or she went to see Bill Cosby and laughed and laughed and laughed. And his humor wasn't slutty or filthy or obscene, rude or crude. It just was pure funny stuff. It seems today that our humor has descended into the pits of vulgarity. I just see nothing funny about people farting or throwing up or belching or going to the bathroom, particularly awful but supposedly America's funniest home videos of people crashing and smashing into walls or over cliffs and all other sorts of accidents that most positively hurt them very badly in some way. What is funny about this? What is funny about people getting hurt? The only funny person on TV for me is Sheldon on The Big Bang Theory. And he is funny because he is true to himself in his geekiness, and he's so innocently honest. So why is Bill Cosby getting crucified now for his lifetime of using and abusing women sexually? Well, in the past, he's been a strong voice to his people about being responsible and quit having so many illegitimate babies and get a job and get off the welfare rolls and quit killing each other. Perhaps the Black Lives Matter group want to discredit him. I mean, Black Lives Matter groups seem to think that black people can just now do whatever they want and we aren't to say or do anything that would restrict them in any way. I mean, it certainly isn't politically correct to suggest that black people should get off of welfare and quit having 78% of their babies be illegitimate. But what about all of those women who now want the world to know that bill crosby sexually used and abused them what is their agenda do they think that today even though bill crosby is protected by the laws of the statute of limitations where time limits are set by the supreme court for being able to prosecute someone for a crime do they think maybe somehow they can get some money anyway perhaps a class-action lawsuit that could override the Supreme Court protection? What was the original intention of these women who went to see Bill Cosby? Our court systems are run on the rule of original intent, and there are many causes that consider contributing negligence. Were these women complicit in their original intentions? Did they think that Bill Cosby could help them in their career? Did they think that Bill Cosby could be responsible to help them be a star? Why would a woman in a position of going to see Bill Cosby alone, why would she do this where she could be vulnerable to any advances, It's just so plainly obvious to me that Bill Cosby knew that there were women out there who wanted to be a someone, and he probably told his staff to be on the lookout for these wannabes and put out the information that he could help them get what they wanted, and this just produced a never-ending source of women for him to be able to use for his own sexual fantasies and acts of personal pleasure. And this worked really well. It worked really, really well. So once the woman was in his personal place, then he could use the things that he used to get them drugged or drunk, so he could abuse them. But if women hadn't thought that he would help them in their career, they never would have gone there in the first place so the desire of the woman to have a career, probably in show business, is the contributory contributing negligence that allowed Bill Cosby to indulge his sexual fantasies and he did. What about Bill Cosby's wife? She I didn't know this was going on. Why didn't she step up and defend and protect the female species? What is her hidden agenda? Was she thankful she didn't have to do all that stuff? Or did she really really enjoy the type of lifestyle that Bill Cosby's success afforded her? Or was she protecting the family and the children? Because like all of us who have had a family member abuse one of our children in the past, we've kept it quiet. And I've asked myself, even again today, I ask this over and over, would I have had my family member exposed and arrested if I had to do it all over again today? And I come up with the same answer, no, I wouldn't. I would have not torn the family apart and exposed his sexual misbehavior. So... Are we so sexually starved as a culture that we just have to hear that next juicy story of yet another woman's sexual experience with Bill Cosby? I just can't understand it because we're almost the most sexually explicit, morally corrupt that we have ever been in the whole history of our country. Is there a latent, inordinate affection that lurks in the minds of a woman about the black man's sexuality? Whatever that is empowering this big C headline about Bill Cosby, this needs to stop. What can be learned from this? How is it important? How does it help us as a nation How does it affect our children? Nothing about this is edifying. Nothing about this is beneficial. It needs to be stopped. So those are my reflections on the news headlines of the big three C's, Cosby, Carter, and Cancer. And until next week and Friday, at 5, 5 p.m., live, uh, this is Marcy Ann. Uh All shows are archived and can be listened to any time, day or night, uh, on the Internet or on your iPhone, on iTunes. And you can contact me at my website, www.marcianne.com. And now here are those glorious mission bells.